to Musicals, the musical theatre football podcast. With me, Johnny Weston. With me, Sam Ward-Smith. And for some reason, I'm here too. My name's Harvey Aspel. Join us as we divulge into the intricacies and complexities of combining the worlds of theatre with football. So, fellas, what an exciting week. We launched the podcast. It's Pilot 4. We haven't been picked up yet, but hey, we're on the road to Series 1, Episode 1. I was watching a documentary yesterday about the two Ronnies, and they got, um, oh, I can't remember the exact story, but basically a guy was, saw them at London, at the Palladium, uh, saw them doing a show in the late 70s, and uh, said, hey, oh, that's my Australian accent. It's like, hey, want to come over to Australia? And then they got like a whole year's work in Australia just doing the two Ronnies. So like we might get an Australian producer listening to us and take us to Sydney or something. Knowing our luck, we'll end up in Torquay or something. Yeah, well, it's been quite, I don't know about you, Sam, it's been quite a football week for me. I never thought I'd say that. We've got FIFA 21 in our house, watched one of the best films I've ever seen in my life, Marvellous, the story of Neil Baldwin, uh, Nello, big Stoke on Stoke on City. No, Stoke on Stoke on Trent, Stoke City, or football. He got there in the end. Stoke City uh, supporter for many years, and it was an incredible film with Toby Jones, who you'll know as being a very, very affluent and wonderful actor. Most recently seen in Uncle Vanya. Did you see Uncle Vanya? I saw it at the um, at the cinema actually a couple of weeks ago because they they filmed it, didn't they, during lockdown? They weren't able to reopen. So they decided to film it. And I think it's going to be on at Christmas as well on the BBC. But yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal actor. I haven't, unfortunately, had any football in my life this week. Johnny's made up for it because, uh, as you said, he watches the film uh, around Stoke-on-Trent. He, um, he he plays FIFA 21 and he's sat here now in an England strip. So he's uh, actually, I caught him doing kick-ups with a tangerine the other day in the, in the kitchen. <laughs> 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 when I've been talking with the two Ronnies. So I thought we'd kick off football. Oh. A lovely story that came to me the other day, and I thought I'd like to share it with both of you. So when I was at school in PE, right, bearing in mind, I was quite overweight when I was at school. I didn't like sports. I hated PE. And I remember we had a module on the syllabus called choreography, and I got really excited. And I remember Mr. Martin, he said, now, nah, boys... I'm sorry, to disapp- I'm sorry to disappoint you, which firstly, that's terrible. It's not disappointing. He said, I'm sorry, boys, we've got to do it. We've got to do dance as a module. Now, on reflection, that's amazing that they put dance on the syllabus. And I don't know if you guys had dance. The thought that we could have done ballet, jazz, we could have done modern, we could have done some tap. Do you know what we did? What? It was football themed. And all I remember now looking back is a, a, a guy at my school called Conor McDiamond coming in for his final piece. We all had to watch everyone's dance piece. We spent a whole term on this and that he came in and he led like three boys behind him and he came in and they all started like chanting. That was one move. Then they did Peter Crouch because he'd done the robot. So they started doing the robot. Then there was like a Mexican wave, all football related. That was our dance module. I mean, I was gutted football's been in my life longer than i thought football was your calling in life i i think i think you've 
I, I think you've come full circle now. I've missed the, missed the goal there, haven't I? I mean, my, my only experience as a child, really, I was thinking about this the other week, was the World Cup in 2002. I think they did it for a few of them, but you could get like a, a collector's book in Sainsbury's. You could get like special, I can't remember whether they were like commemorative coins, like like 10p pieces or something and, yeah. um, of all different players and you could collect them. And I knew nothing about football, but when I was younger, I just really always wanted to be part of, I don't know, I always wanted something to collect, whether that was like Pokemon cards or I wanted to be part of a club. So knowing that I was like fitting in with all the cool kids, I used to collect all these coins. And like the kids at the school would be like, hey, which one you got today? And I'd have to look in the book because I didn't know the names of any other players. <laughs> so I used to be like, um... I can't even remember who would have been playing at the time. Probably like Beckham, like David Beckham. But which one's he? And I'd be like, uh, and I'd point at like Gary Neville or someone. <laughs> I swear, any card, any coin, anything, it was always Michael Owen, always. Yeah, 2002, great. That, that, that squad should have gone a lot further than, than they did. We had Beckham, Gerard, Owen, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, all of those top tier footballers. But together, it's like the ingredients of a great pie. Put them in the pot, the pie tastes horrible. David Beckham. Moving on to our first segment, it's Newsy Balls. Newsy Balls. This is the part of the podcast where we discuss some of the latest news from the world of musical theatre and football. So kicking us off, as always, football, is Harvey. Well, the football world is mourning a little bit, really, of the loss of Diego Maradona. So I'm sure you guys know he, he died at the age of 60 last week. Um, what a player, perhaps the greatest of all time. And he deserves a mention. Who did he play for? He played for many teams. He's probably most most famously known for his time at Napoli in Italy, who at the time, I think it was the late 80s, they weren't so much of a, a top team, sort of always pushing up. And uh, he had the talent to go anywhere, really. And he stuck with them and showed his passion. And he single-handedly brought that team to, to be one of the greatest teams in Italy. Napoli. There's a big reference to Napoli in uh, Bridges of Madison County the Jason Robert Brown musical that I saw last year at the Menier, uh, which was absolutely incredible. And the lead character, she's originally from Napoli. But yes, no, very, very sad about uh, Maradona, of course. Um, but it's been nice to, to see, I, uh, you know, you turn the telly on and there seems to be quite a lot of coverage about him. I take it he'd retired a long time ago. Yeah, he um, retired long ago, but he sort of came back into the spotlight now and again as a manager for sort of minor clubs in, in Argentina, I think. Um, but it was sad, he was, he was only 60 and in November he, he had brain surgery for a clot and then whilst recovering sort of took a fall and um, days later he, he, um, he had heart failure and lung failure and that was, that was a really sad ending, so. Yeah. Did he play with Igita? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, that would have been Colombia versus Argentina. So I'm sure, yeah. Tune in next week, I'll have the answer for you. Possible. And leading us with this week's theatre news, it is the one and only Samuel Ward-Smith. Yeah, so uh, it's been quite a big 
week so far with announcements. Uh, last week, obviously, we were talking about the new government tiers and how they would affect theatre. And Les Mis, the all-star concert, they've done an announcement today, on the day that we record, uh, to say that they are doing an extra couple of weeks of performances. So the Les Mis concert now will run up until the end of February. Now, this has been all part of a process, uh, as we were saying last week, the governments have required theatres that are open in tier one or tier two to be 1,000 seats. Or if they can't be 1,000 seats, then they have to be half of their original capacity. So they needed to get down to about five, 600, and they were on about 750 people a night. So they've had to lose some audience members. Now, it would have been absolutely heartbreaking if they'd have just cancelled the tickets, you know, and just refunded people because for a lot of people, that was the highlight of their year, of a very bleak year. And, you know, a, a real chance to have a Christmas treat. That's what they've done is they've extended by a couple of weeks and allowed the people who've lost their tickets, priority booking, to get some tickets to those new dates. You'd be quite a good Gavroche, Johnny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be 26 next week. So, you know, I mean, ooh, just clinging on. Um, to, to that that casting. Little chimney sweep cap. What do you think of that half? That all sounds so fabulous. Well, if we can get tickets after the priority booking, we will certainly do that. And the three of us can have a jolly old night out to Les Miserables in the West End. I'm definitely not going if Michael Bowe's not there. Uh, moving on to our next segment. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. This is the part of the podcast where we momentarily pause our show. We present Harvey with a theatrical clip. He presents myself and Sam with a football-themed clip. And then we return with our full-bodied thoughts and feelings on what we have just seen. So there we have it. Listeners, what you don't know is that this week we presented to Harvey the Tony Award winning performance of The Producers, more specifically Along Came Bialy, featuring a very, very young Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. What did you think? Well, let me check my notes. I wrote some notes in that one. I've got Inspector Gadget, All We Want Is Sex, Zimmer Frames, Mel Brooks. <laughs> And some Nazis and pigeons. Um, it's nice to see. I mean, Mel Brooks has obviously seen Stomp, hasn't he? The other Zimmer frame scene was a bit. It's, <laughs> it's good actually. I really enjoyed it. Um, Broadway, yeah. Is that um, that's one of the classics, isn't it? On out of Broadway. Yeah, I mean, at the time, the producers was. I think it. Well, no, I think the producers was the most successful musical of all time, wasn't it? In in two thousand and two, yeah. was that or two thousand and one? Um, I think it was 2001, but yes, it, it holds the record for the most Tony Tony Awards in history. Did it ever come to the West End? It did at Theatre Royal Drury Lane. They both brought it over. And then you've had um, many people take over their roles, um, including Lee Evans, as, as even played Mr. Leopold Bloom. Wow. Was that with Nathan Lane? It was, yeah. There was a... Well, originally, there's an interesting story with this. Originally, they got... Um, I always forget. I think it's yeah, Richard Richard Dreyfus. They had Richard Dreyfus playing the role, um, and it was cited at the time that he'd pulled out due to a medical injury. Whether he did or not, 
we don't know. There's a lot of speculation that he just didn't fit the role and they changed it. Um, but Nathan Lane reportedly, uh, he knew that he was going to be filming the producer's movie. They made a, a film of the musical in roughly about 2006, I think, or 2005, 2006. Uh, Nathan Lane was going to have a really long holiday before they filmed this movie. And he gets a call from Mel Brooks to say, hey, Nathan, we're opening up next week. We need you to come to London. And he was like, I can't come to London. I'm on holiday. And he was like, you got to come. We open on Tuesday. And they flew Nathan Lane over at the time. I mean, I can't even imagine what money that he was on. But reportedly in the newspapers at the time, it was like the highest West End salary that anybody's ever had for him to come and take over at short notice. Someone once told me it was 100 million. I mean, that's, that does sound very high. I don't... I don't... <laughs> I thought it would be 100 million. Well, I certainly didn't get 100 million when I was in the producers at the Peterbrook Players Amateur Dramatics Operatic Society version of the show at the Core Theatre in Soley Hall, where I played, I was like background and, you know, I think I was Brian, the set designer, and then I was one of the little old ladies you just saw then. <laughs> and then in Act Two... And I've never, this is the only time I've ever done this. In Act Two, I played one of the policemen who find the, the books to the IRA, very famous scene. After that scene, there's, there's, a, there's a 10 second bit where Nathan Lane, Max Bielestock gets put in prison and a policeman has to walk on and say, telegram Mr. Bielestock from Leo Bloom, who's gone to Rio and that 10 second bit was so small on the last night, I forgot. And you obviously can't carry on because Max hasn't got a letter. So you can't improvise because he doesn't have a letter. So you can't just move on. So what happened, I hear you ask, the stage manager walked on with the script and pretended to hand him nothing. He handed him nothing. And then for the whole betrayed song, Max sang in very amateur dramatic style, sang holding thin air. And it was all my fault. That doesn't happen in football. You don't forget to come on in football, do you? Referees have forgotten their cards before, though. That's a, a clip from <laughs> the time when they go to the pocket to, to brandish a yellow card and there's nothing there, you know. And Harvey, let's see what you've got up your sleeve in your football boots or down your socks. So, what did you think of that? Tell the listeners what it was. Because I don't know what it was. So what I've just shown the guys there was Maradona's second goal in the quarterfinal uh, match against England in 1986, the World Cup in Mexico. What do you think, guys? Um, two things. Number one, I didn't think it was that impressive, if I'm honest. Yes, he scored, but there was no theatricality about it. He just ran up with the ball got past the other players, kicked it, and then it, it kind of went in. Oh, there's no there's no um, tap dancing or vibrato, but he absolutely, he glides past everybody. But there was, there was a theatrical element to that, because oh. I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you noticed, but the commentator was Mr. Victor Hugo Morales. Now, if we forget the Morales bit, Victor Hugo wrote... Lovely segue tie-in from our newsy balls, wrote Les Miserables. Can you believe it? 
And if you allow me to exercise my musical theatre knowledge for a minute, Victor Hugo Morales, Rhymes of Sarah Morales, and she wrote the score to Kinky Boots. So, But let's get back on the track. Let's get back on the field, the, the goal itself. Sam, what, what, what was your take of it? I mean, I have to, yeah, I have to agree with Johnny. I had to watch it a couple of times because I'm obviously not as, I don't know, perceptive to the excitement as football as maybe you are. So I was watching it first of all, and I thought, okay, what, what's what's different here? It's just a guy who's fell over and a ball's gone in the net. But then, but then I watched it again, and I have to agree with you. There is a very sort of um, there's something quite quite gracious about the way that he was. You know that the way he just was sliding mm. down. It's just like like we would talk about a ballet dancer. It was he was very light. He's very light on his feet very sort of gracious in his body. He, did, he could have come down like a sack of potatoes, but he, I think that's, he's just so swift. Great agility, strong on his feet, good vision. He knew exactly what he wanted to do from the moment he had the ball at his feet at the halfway line and uh, subsequently knocked England out of the quarterfinals of the World Cup in 1986. And that goal, interestingly, came four minutes after the Hand of God goal. I'm not, I know he's known for being the Hand of God, but I does he handball? Does he do the handball? Yeah, yeah. Blatantly sort of jumps up with the with Peter Shilton in the English penalty area and sort of fakes fakes a header into the net by using his fist. I did watch an interview actually on YouTube um, after the news of, the, of him passing, and it was on the front page. And it was an interview with Gary Lineker. He went. There was a documentary. He went to go and live with him, I think, for a week, mm. and he was talking to him and. He, he was asking him the question of um, about the the hand of God, and he said, "Do you think it was the hand of God?" And I don't know, just turns around. And he says, "No, no, of course it's not. It was just my hand." It's like... <laughs> and heading into our final segment, it's our questions of the week. Questions of the week. Kicking us off as always with football, Harvey. What is your question of the week? My question of the week is, the Jules Remay is otherwise known as what? Jules. She was the, um, she's a character in Bend It Like Beckham, the musical, which is football. That's, but I doubt it's got anything to do with that. Well, there might be a, a, a little link there, but yeah, not really a clue, but maybe they had thought, oh, this is clever, we'll call her Jules. It's a lyric, isn't it? In, um... I was talking about this last week, the um, Frank Skinner and David Baddiel song. Three lines on the shirt. Uh, Jules, is it Jules Remay, did you say? Yeah. Jules Remay. Now, this has got to have some significance with, like, is it a trophy? He's on to something. Keep going. A trophy, and it sounds a little bit French. Yes. So is this, like... Is, is this like a, the European trophy? Very close. Johnny, do you want to have a little guess out of the blue? Is it, an, is it a non-European trophy? <laughs> it's, the world, it's the World Cup trophy. That's the official name of, of the World Cup trophy, Georges Romain. Yeah. Hmm. Why? It's, it's two figures holding up a, the globe and it was named after one of the FIFA presidents from the early 1900s. The, the trophy we, we see and know today, which looks like a, you know, in the, in the Three Lions video when they put, um, they, they hold like a, 
an apple in their hand and they dunk their entire hand into a bucket of custard and then hold it up and they emulate the the World Cup trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's what they were talking about. Um, There's the other song, isn't there? The Golden Balls. Do you remember that one? Golden Balls, Mr. Beckham to you. And they're all holding up these golden... Is that what they mean? Uh, no, I don't think so. Actually, that, that's just some. That's that's something. <laughs> that's just David Beckham's nickname, Golden Balls, because he could score a bloody good free kick, and I think he was producing lots of children at the time. I think that's where Golden Balls came from. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, a World Cup is is the, is the ball, the gold ball with the two arms. But the original trophy was the original George Romay, which is more like a an angelic figure of some sort. But hey, between you, you've sort of got there. So. Yeah, pat yourself on the backs. Patty Lepone. And moving on to our question. Well, um, I've actually got a little surprise for you tonight. Um, we've got a special guest uh, introducing the one and only Mr. Gary Barlow. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, it's me, Gary. I hope you're enjoying music played by humans, my new album. Harvey, can you tell me what musicals am I? synonymous with thank you gary that was oh that was brilliant he's he's, he's going now well it's nice of him to pop in um <laughs> the band yes the band about five girls who love take that yeah you know because we went to see it yeah um the girls very good he wrote the soundtrack <laughs> he wrote the music yeah yeah um and is how many more are there there's two god he gets around a bit doesn't he Um, well one is one is i say synonymous because yeah there's there's two musicals out there one that he was obviously very heavily involved in and and one that is more of um he wasn't as involved in but synonymous with it because it's their it's their music the other one is is quite niche. It's quite rogue. It's Never Forget. That's the name of the musical starring a very young Dean Chisnell um, many years ago. Um, but a fantastic musical with Nancy Sullivan as well um, and a lot of other West End stars. And there was a DVD of, of it, and that's how I kind of knew about it. But it follows um, kind of five young lads who do a... Um, who do a tribute band of Take That and they they take this tribute band. So that's what Never Forget is about. But there is another musical that he did write the music for. No, I, I've, I, I'm, for all the listeners out there, I live with Jolly and I hear a lot of these songs coming through the kitchen door uh, or through the walls of his bedroom or whatever. So I've got a feeling I know this. Can you give us some clues? It's a famous film. Starring Johnny Depp. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Nearly. Johnny Depp is in that one. Hmm. When it's hard, it's hard not to think of pirates now, isn't it? When you think of Johnny Depp. So that, that body of work is totally A. Am I on the right? Yeah. You're on the right track. He didn't write anything on the, the Pirates of Caribbean, did he? No, no, not, not quite. Um, pirates sailors there are sailors in it it stars Matthew Morrison and Kelsey Grammer in the musical Frasier Crane Uh, no break it to me Sam 
I mean, some might say that he was a boy who never grew up. Not Gary Barlow. He did grow up. Benjamin Button? No. Grow up. Never grow. Never grow up. No. It is Finding Neverland, the musical. Oh. So we have Never Forget, Finding Neverland, The Girls and The Band. Did you know Paul McCartney's writing a, a, a musical score at the minute for It's a Wonderful Life? I know. I told you. Join us next time for more show-stopping, goal-scoring, music balls banter. <laughs> <laughs>